0: Alright, alright. Welcome to the show. It is Devon Johnson once again meeting you guys for a post-game report for Showtime Forum. And the Lakers did exactly what we needed them to do. Rebound from an emotional loss last night and come on the road and win and win. We took the game tonight and it was not even really a game. The, the, The Kings never led the game. They had a couple of runs, but they never really made. This a game, and the team did what they were supposed to do. They came out with energy. They came out shooting well. Um, at one point, had sixteen threes. They were they were aiming for a record, um, and they win tonight. <clears throat> excuse me, one twenty nine to one thirteen. Exactly what we needed them to do. Exactly the rebound that we were looking for them to make. And it's exciting to know that the team has uh, even through all the adversity that they have had uh, had to deal with this week that they have not lost the rhythm of unity, have not lost the rhythm of sharing the ball, uh, had uh, over 30 assists tonight, um, shooting well. We saw multiple people in double digits tonight. Uh, the team was doing uh, exactly what we know they can do and what we know they're capable of doing. Um, and, uh, you know, hats off to Sacramento Kings who were down uh, some players tonight. and Obviously, they, they could not compete with our length, and they tried. You know, they tried shooting from the outside with perimeter shots. Uh, But it just was never really a game. And the Lakers improved to 36-11 and 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 20-5 away from home. So let's jump into what we saw tonight. And really, I think what we saw was a very balanced game tonight. Anthony Davis scoring 21 points and LeBron James scoring 15. But it was good to see them in the last three or four minutes not having to play in the game. Uh, Anthony Davis only played 30 minutes tonight. LeBron James played 34. Um, And it doesn't seem like it's such a big deal when, you know, last night they played 39 minutes uh, uh, and 38 minutes, and tonight they played 34 and 30 minutes. And it seems like, well, what's the difference in five minutes? But if you stack those five minutes over an 82-game season, it adds up to a whole lot of playing time that they would have had to play. And so getting these nights like tonight where you know you should win the game um, it may not necessarily be easy, but you should get the actual win, and it shouldn't require Anthony Davis playing more than 30 minutes. And really for LeBron James, I think uh, he could have been lower than 34 minutes, but it was more of an option for him uh, to do so and to play. And so uh, it, it's, it's, it's good. Uh, we saw great scoring all the way across the board, 19 from Avery Bradley, who, if we're being honest tonight, was really the spark that kept that drive going in the first half. Uh, the reason why the game got so out of hand was because Avery Bradley was shooting incredible tonight. He was five of nine from three point, and seven of thirteen from the field goal. And he only he did all this in twenty minutes. He almost scored a point a minute. And for all of us who've been watching these games, uh, we have you know we've obviously we've applauded him for his defense in the first half of the season, and then he had a large drop off after his injury and was out after some games. Uh, And now that he's come back and KCP went back to the bench, a lot of us were wondering, well, why is he starting? And tonight he showed up. And we don't know if this is going to be a consistent trend from him. uh, But him scoring 19 points along with Anthony Davis 21 and LeBron James 15, it bodes well. LeBron James had a triple-double tonight with 15 points, 10 rebounds, and 11 assists. That's what you want to see. And what I do love is that no starter had above two turnovers tonight. As a whole, the Lakers, I believe, only had uh, 14 turnovers, which is huge for us. We've had games where 16, 17, 18, 21, 22 turnovers is the normal. But tonight, it, it, it wasn't the case. And so it was great to see that. Of course, uh, <clears throat> uh, Danny Green added as well and contributed three of eight from three-point land. It was nine points. He was so close to getting double digits. But they just didn't put him back in the game because it was unnecessary. Uh, Kyle Kuzma contributed. And, and, and he's staying consistent again, guys. He scored 12 points. They only had two rebounds tonight when, of course, last night he was in the double digits. Uh, but Rondo had 13. Rondo played great tonight. Cal- uh, Caldwell Pope put up 15. And Alex Caruso contributed on the offensive end. We've been talking about his offensive struggles uh, and not being able to score, missing open shots. But tonight he was much more effective, 5 of 6 from the, from the field uh, and 3 of 4 from three-point land. And when he gets those shots going, as well as playing defense... He, he is a, a legitimate problem for other teams because he's so unorthodox in his style of play. He doesn't really dribble with great handle. Uh, his shot is not necessarily the prettiest shot, and his defense is much more grimy than it is fundamental. But his ability to do all of those things and teams not really knowing what to do with him. When he gets into that kind of zone, the second unit really does become a problem. You pair that with the Rondo, who is doing more things consistently tonight. He had eight assists and 13 points. That's the Rondo that we want to see. And we want to take this all in stride. Of course, this is against the Sacramento Kings team, who is struggling. They're they're making uh, uh, obvious changes on the roster. Luke Walton is still trying to adjust to what's going on. Uh, the franchise is just not headed in the right direction. They had a whole bunch of buddy heel drama earlier on. Uh, it's just it's it's a lot that's going on with that organization. So even though we did get the win and we did what we were supposed to do, this is not a uh, this is not what I would consider a uh, a proper uh, measuring stick as to where the Lakers are. In fact, the Lakers need to do this consistently against teams that are much better uh, than the Kings in order for us to really believe what we saw tonight. But it's good to know that we were able to override the emotional fatigue of last night, the emotional fatigue of the week, and be able to bounce back and get back to business. I love, I love watching what Dwight Howard did tonight. He had a donut uh, in the point category, but he had nine rebounds, and three of them were offensive, which means he was doing exactly what we brought him in here to do, and he's continuing to stay consistent with that, even when he's not scoring. Uh, And so that's, that's a good thing to see. Let's get to some of these questions, man, I want to talk to you guys about tonight. Uh, SCH MUFC, good bounce back win for the team after all the emotions. Thought everyone played well. And I think that's the key that you have there at the end of that phrase. Everyone played well. It wasn't uh, contingent on LeBron James having to score plus 20. He had a triple double that was really much more of a quiet triple double, but some incredible passes tonight skip passes, uh, uh, no look passes tonight behind the. He was doing, he was having fun again. Um, and of course, you know you, you're not expecting the team to just get over Kobe's death um, uh, in a matter of a night, uh, and uh, uh, after a night of tribute, you know they're still dealing with that. But seeing them uh, trending towards getting back into the season, getting back to playing championship-style basketball when it matters uh, is good to see. And so it was good to see everybody playing well. It's good to see Rondo. I know we give him a hard time, but it's good to see Rondo uh, uh, dishing and giving assists as well as scoring. A lot of those uh, defensive breakdowns that we saw with the Kings tonight actually reminded me of when we had Luke Walton as a coach with the Lakers. So some of this I just I just contribute for the Kings, just bad coaching, um, and uh, and there was just so many blown defensive assignments, and of course they're adjusting because you know they've lost people, um, and they've you know they haven't they haven't really had uh, a consistent roster that's made sense. And so, you know, that part of that is that. But it's it's it was good to see everybody involved, everybody getting excited. The bench was going crazy on, on crazy stuff, on Avery, uh, Avery Bradley's step-back three uh, that he did. The whole bench went nuts. It's good to see that again after last night. It was really hard to celebrate, really hard to get hype. And even when it was, it just didn't feel good to the players. But obviously, it made a difference tonight. Xavier, B96407704. That's like a social security number. The Kings team uh, was a great scrimmage. You know, and, and, you know, I, I want to give them respect because they are an NBA team, but scrimmage would probably be a much better um description of what we experienced tonight over what I would call a game. Um, and, and really, the Kings didn't really get going until it didn't matter um, at the end of the game. And Buddy Heald was shooting well, and De'Aaron Fox was doing what he normally does. Uh, but people like Harrison Barnes who normally give us trouble, he only had two points tonight. Bogdanovich only had eight points tonight. Um, and and really, it just it it wasn't the normal Sacramento battle that we would have if they're at their full strength and their full uh, uh, chemistry moment. And, and it just wasn't that for them tonight. Um, but tonight for us, it was great. It was great to get away to get a win back in the win column, get away from the from the loss of last night, and prepare ourselves for a two game home stand against some pretty incredible teams. Um, <clears throat> Alsa Kuzic finally making shots. Kuz playing defense with no turnovers. Can't beat us like that. Kuz paid a tremendous game tonight. He had 12 points. Uh, he also had an assist, which is great, a block and only one turnover. Uh, Kuz did shoot 4 of 10, and normally that would be bad if you have a, 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 a somebody who's considered a shooter only shooting 40%. But what I did like seeing is that he put up double-digit shots tonight. He shot with conviction, and even when he did not make it, it did not affect his mentality, and it seems as though he is starting to find his way into the lineup as to what he's supposed to do. If Kuz is putting up anywhere between 10 and 15 points off the bench, and you combine that with the KCP, who can also give you 15 to 20 off the bench, then that means that you can have a a really great, consistent foundation for your bench, and that means that anybody else can get hot. Dwight Howard can get hot with putbacks, and of course, Lobs. Um, uh, Troy Daniels can get hot. Quinn Cook can get hot. Uh, Rondo, Dudley, any of those guys can get hot. But if you know you're going to have a consistent 40 to 45 points off of your bench, that's really going to help contribute to taking off the load off of Anthony Davis and LeBron James in the scoring category, and allow them to do like they did tonight—take four, uh, four or five minutes off and not have to come back into the game. And that was great to see. And so it, part of that was Kuz being aggressive, uh, getting to the foul line tonight. He didn't—he only went to the foul line twice, but just knowing that he's being aggressive enough that out of his ten shots, two of them caused him to get to the line. Uh, is a great idea there. Um, and then, of course, you know, his, he has the ability to rebound. And tonight he, it wasn't necessary for him to do that. The bigs did their job. But it would be so good if we could see what we saw last night from Kuz on a consistent basis, putting up double-double, being aggressive on the boards, getting to the glass, uh, and boxing out. Being able to do those things and, of course, playing defense like he did tonight. One block is really great in a in a Kuzma category because he's traditionally a shooter. But if he's chasing down and blocking, that means that he is being attentive to defensive rotations. He's sticking with his man, and he's not being offensive-only minded, which is great. Uh, <clears throat> uh, let's see here. Uh, SCH in Everyone trying to play their hearts out before the trade deadline. Yeah, I think a part of that is there, too. Um, I think a lot of people want to make sure that I think I think the players who are on this team like being on this team. And I think, um, you know, if they were to get traded, if someone were to get traded, they, of course, would say thank you to the, like organization. We're grateful for that. And, and they would do all of that. But internally, I don't believe anybody wants to leave what's been happening. I don't think they want to leave a championship run. I don't think they want to leave the leadership of LeBron. I don't think they want to leave the chemistry that has been set. And, and also being in L.A. I think that's also a, a huge part of it as well. Um, and so some of them are playing extremely hard. <laughs> They're playing extremely hard. Um, I We've already heard reports about possibly Alex Caruso was being offered up and the Lakers said no. So when you hear those things, it does bring confidence to you as a player to know that my team, my organization organization. organization, my franchise values me, especially if I came in with them, they took a chance on me, I, I came up through the ranks in the G League and finally get a contract, to know that the actual organization, the front office believes in me enough to turn down potential trades. That could make the team better in a sense. To know that helps to add to that confidence. So I think people like Alice Cruzo could probably be safe unless there's a really sweet offer that comes. But we don't know. Some of the news that came down about uh, the new um, the the uh, the new salary cap and it it, it it's going to be adjusted slightly. That is going to play a factor in how teams organize their rosters going forward. Some of them are going to be trying to dump salaries, dump contracts, and they may have to to sweeten offers for the Lakers in order for them to take on contracts. And so that there's a potential now for teams to be more willing to trade with the Lakers. Uh, we've heard some of the news about Andre Iguodala, um, and we're not sure how solidified this information is, but uh, Memphis has been actively trying to find trade partners for Andre Iguodala, and the hardest part that people are finding is the $17 million salary is really hard to fit into people's uh, into people's rosters right now. Not a lot of salary cap space, and it doesn't really make sense to trade Andre Iguodala dollar and trade away your players to get him and he may not even you know he may not even really work out for what you're needing so uh, for the Lakers it's looking good once again, we're ultimately looking to have to cut as opposed to trade. Unless the trade is going to be so sweet and so good for the Lakers, which nobody in the organization, I'm sorry, nobody in the NBA is trying to help the Lakers organization. So I'm, I'm seriously doubting anyone's going to give us a sweet deal like that. But we're looking to get a buyout. We're looking to get in a Darren Collinson. We're looking to get an Andrew Ganala off a of buyout. It would tremendously help. He can get his money. We can get him in on a minimum and be able to move forward with potentially a, a championship roster uh, that is even better than what we have now. Uh, <clears throat> Blake St. Clair back in the win column. Bradley looked great tonight, and I don't know what's woken up in Bradley. And this is this is one of the trends that we've seen with Laker players who've been in slumps. We have seen an awakening, and, and, and KCP has kind of been the perfect example of that. Um, we had doubts about KCP. We had doubts about Dwight Howard. Uh, we even had doubts about McGee. And everybody has seemed to find their space. KCP has come out of his slump and has become one of the most consistent shooters that we have. Um, and not just, not just consistent shooters, but one of the consistent defenders. It, it, he's he's doing his role so well, and you hear nothing about complaints about not being in the starting lineup and having to go to the bench. And we do know he can play in either, either one. He can go into the, into the starting lineup and put up 20. He can go into the, uh, into the second unit and put up 15. And he's going to be consistent at that. And it's so good to see that. Uh, But it's so good to see Bradley, and I'm really hoping that this becomes a trend for him. I would love to see him north of double digits in his point category. I would love to see him playing aggressive full-court defense. Um, And I also want to see him just being aggressive with his shot. Him shooting as many threes as he did tonight shows us that he can be a streaky player, which I'm not against. I know that's normally a negative for most people. But for me, it is a great thing to know that I can look at you and say, if you're getting hot, then I can trust your hot hand. Uh, acoustic, especially Kuzma, uh, Le Guin, Monza. Hey, my man. Great to see you again. Aren't you a little worried about LeBron's recent shooting? Uh, it's so good to see you again too, ma'am. Uh, and, uh, hats off to you. Uh, LeBron has been a little bit different and I think most of that is calculated. He was six and 15 tonight, but he is picking and choosing his spots. And he also was dealing with the idea of how do I get my body ready? For this playoff run for the first time in his career last year, he missed the playoffs. He was able to take time off, spend time with his family, get his body right. Now he is seeing the end goal is coming close. We have played uh, over half the season at this point, and he knows that the playoffs are coming, and he needs to adjust his game to make sure that the other players are upping their uh, their quality of impact uh, on the game. He needs to make sure that Alice Caruso, that Arondo, that these people are getting going. And So you're seeing a lot more facilitation out of LeBron. Uh, he's already been uh, in the double-digit average category for assists in- on the season, but tonight you're just seeing it. The, the way he was looking for people, Uh, He was aggressive with his three when it mattered, uh, but he was looking, constantly, looking for people to pass to, and you're seeing that. So you're seeing that he's taking the emphasis off of trying to score 30, to carry the team to a win and really trying to get people's confidence back up and getting them going. So you see him where he's dribble drive penetration, he's passing it out, and people are hitting their shots. That bodes well for the Lakers going forward because when you are a bench role player, you're only playing 10 to 15 minutes in a game, and LeBron passes to you and trusts you to hit a shot and you hit it, the next time it's time for you to shoot, you have no problem shooting with confidence. Uh, one of the things that Danny Green doesn't, he, he's not necessary in that equation because Danny Green knows that when he hits shots, he's going to hit shots, and he doesn't need LeBron's approval for that. But if you're a Quinn Cook, if you're a Troy Daniels, if you're an Alex Caruso, even if you're a KCP, to know that I'm trusted by LeBron to be able to kick, uh, to kick out of a penetration drive and know that I can hit that shot is going to mean a whole lot when you're doing a seven-game series. Against the team that is looking to stop who LeBron kicks out to, so I'm not worried about his shooting at all. I think he's just switching up his game, taking the foot off of the gas in the scoring category because that's not what's necessary right now. As uh, uh, Blake St. Clair, that was a perfect That was the perfect game in terms of rest and minutes for LeBron and AD for keeping them healthy for the playoffs. Yeah, and this is the this is the goal that we want. We want the Lakers to be able to play games. Uh, uh, hard when they're necessary, and be able to take off, take minutes away from LeBron and AD when it doesn't matter. Sacramento was a game that should have been won. Uh, this once again, it, let's say if AD had been had a sat out this game, this game still should have been winnable with LeBron only playing thirty minutes, because of how the roster is is uh, for for Sacramento is set up and how ours is set up. We would dominate them even without LeBron or even without AD. Um, this is one of those games where you wanted them to take care of business. They did exactly. That. So it was really great. You're right. Perfect. Perfect in those terms. Uh Leonard H. Buchanan won. Great showing tonight. Great. It really was. And and I'm saying, you know, just for all of us as fans, last night was a heavy night, man. It was really, really rough. It was hard to watch that game. It was hard to watch the pregame. It was hard to get excited. And Then it was hard to lose. That was really rough to take that loss. Um, even though Dane Lilith went off and did his thing against the Blazers, it was really, really rough to see them tonight. Get out, be aggressive, be strong, uh, not let their emotions or the emotional fatigue, like I said before, uh, weigh on them on a back-to-back, even when they went from home, they went straight up to uh, Sacramento, it was a short trip obviously, but still leaving home, going up north, they're probably going to come back home tonight, uh, and watch them take care of business, do what they got to do, and, and not complain about it. it, was great to see, it was excellent to see. Um S-E-H-U-M-U-F-C, do you still see a trade coming, don't really see much activity between now and and the deadline. Here's how the deadline's gonna work this uh, this season, guys. And, and deadline has has kind of had its ebbs and flows and trends over the years, depending on how the C, how the uh, how the uh, trade agreement, the CBA, has been. Also on how the teams have been kind of orchestrated with. You know, when when Golden State was around, teams were a lot more willing to trade because it just there was really no point for a lot of teams because they knew that Golden State was going to win, so they were a lot more willing to trade. Now, the championship is up for grabs. And because it's up for grabs, teams are kind of really waiting for the right deal to not necessarily make their team better now, but even possibly next season. Because we really don't know if there's a dynasty. Even when you look at the Lakers right now, as Laker fans, you you don't project this to be the same roster next year. Even if the Lakers win the chip, this is probably the only year you're going to see the roster constructed in its current form. Uh, and so, you know, for us, you know, we we know that that this is our championship window right now. But for other teams, they look at each year now as a possibility for them. And so, some teams are going to wait all the way up until the trade deadline before they begin to make moves. They're trying to assess if their team is going to be any good. Can their team make a run? And I know we're going. Oh my God! It's so late in the season. But some t- some teams are starting to catch fire. We saw what happened when Jordan Clarkson went over to Utah. Utah was struggling so bad. They bring in Clarkson and all of a sudden they have brand new life. These are what teams are looking for. Is there a deal that can breathe life and cause us to go on a streak? That makes sense for us. You know, that makes sense for us. And so um, I do not believe you're going to see much activity in the next couple of days or the next day or two. But I think right when you get up on that deadline, you're going to start hearing so much more. Will they actually pull the trigger? We don't know. But for the Lakers, what we're looking to see is what happens with Andre Iguodala. Uh, They have already talked about the idea that Memphis has kind of outgrown the rebuilding stage. John Morant. Has brought that team into a place where they are really contenders for a playoff spot, um, and so you, you don't you don't necessarily want to mess up with that chemistry, and so you also don't you don't have any uh, uh, any suitors for Andre Iguodala. You have a couple, but nobody can fit him in. So now they have to think about what they're going to do with Andre Iguodala. He's a seventeen million dollar contract. Nobody really has room to absorb that contract and deplete half of their roster to make it happen. Um, and the Grizzlies are, are really kind of handcuffed right now, and of course they can hold on to that and just waste it, pay him seventeen million dollars, and just not do him any favors. Um, but there could be something on the horizon for the Lakers. We want to pay attention to what happens there. We want to pay attention to what happens with the conversations with Darren Collison. These are the additions that make the most sense. It makes the most sense. There's re- you're not going to see, uh, you're not going to see uh, Derek Rose coming. That's not going to happen. Uh, you're, you're probably not going to see. Anybody of great significance, Bogdanovich and stuff, you're not going to see those those trades happening right now. Even with even with the Kings, uh, they're still trying to make sure they hold on to their building pieces. And I just, I, it, it's hard for me to see any trades of that kind of magnitude. The ones that would have even greater impacts than those than a Derrick Rose is having a Darren Collinson and an Igudala coming in on veteran minimums or coming in on low-end contracts and just making some cuts to make that happen. That would be monumental. If you could think about, in the next couple of weeks, just looking up at the roster, and you're seeing an Igudala and you're seeing a Derek Collinson on your roster, you think differently about the rest of the season. Um, and, And you think about it with a much bigger smile than we do right now, even though we're extremely happy with the team, you would be even more happy if you had those people on your team. Um, I don't know if you got rid of a Kuzma for a Bogdanovich. I don't know if we would ex- immediately get happy. I think we would have to wait to see if Bogdanovich would be able to contribute in any way. Uh, but if you got rid of a, if you got rid of a Quinn Cook uh, or a Troy Daniels to make room for a Darren Collinson, then it makes sense, right? Uh, it makes all the sense in the world. Also, um, uh, Kuzma. Um, uh, he's had some good games. I still won't trade him unless we get a really good wing. I'm, I'm with both of you. I'm with you guys. Um, I, don't, I do not believe, and I'm about 99.9% sure in my heart, that Kuzma's not getting traded. Um, it's just, it, 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 right now, I think there's a lot of belief um, in Kuzma. I think they believe that he can turn in and pop into something. And I also think, if I'm just being honest, I think they have taken a toll by watching a Thomas Bryant, by watching a Steve McKayloop, by watching a Brandon Ingram and Alonzo Ball, and and watching these players that they developed or they brought in, and to watch them kind of go out and start doing things, right? Uh, how many players have we looked across the league and they started with this and they were no, like Kent Bazemore was really nobody when he was with the Lakers. And then he went to Atlanta and made a name for himself, and now uh, he was playing, of course, tonight. Um, it, you you kind of see these players who, be, who, come, who become quality players, and you think to yourself, man, how many times are we going to keep getting rid of these players and then they pop right when we get rid of them? Um, I think part of that plays into the mind of the front office is going, man, this is probably one we need to hold on to. And we'll see. We'll see. Um, uh, Blake Sinclair, I was for Cook being the L A the LA, the LAer to move or be cut, but now I think it's important for him and the franchise. He stays a Laker this season. Maybe. Um, I still believe in 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 the in the shark that they call Rob Palenka. Uh He remember this is a guy who has been known to do what's best for his clients, to do what's best for uh, for ultimately for getting a contract done. And he has he has earned a reputation of doing what's necessary. And if you were to ask him, uh, you know, do I get rid of Cook? Um, and, and, uh, to make room for Iggy or do I get rid of Troy Daniels in room for Iggy? I think he's going to get rid of Cook, not because Cook is not a good player, but I think because he can think of uh, Troy Daniels being much more of a wing. Uh, I mean, sorry, much more of just a three-point spot-up shooter. And he can think of Igodala being a lockdown defender. And you really don't need Cook to come in and run any offenses. Uh, You don't need him because you already have a LeBron who runs the offense. And right now you're sticking with Rondo, and you're not getting rid of Rondo. So you already have two offensive ball handlers that you have, and as lopsided as they are in skill value, I just don't see them having a necessity for a Quinn Cook. They don't run the offense through Troy Daniels, so he makes more sense as a shooter for LeBron as a stretch. But but it, it seems like if you were to cut one person... Uh, Unless you're going to do something with Boogie. And the way he was working out before the game today, the announcers even talked about how aggressively he was working out. I still stick to my thought that they plan for this man to be ready by the finals if we make it there. I think they have plans to at least have him on the roster ready uh, to contribute in some way, shape, or form. And that's a scary thought, people. That is a scary thought to think about AD, JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, and Boogie. I just don't know what you do with that. Um, so I think all of that kind of plays a factor. And if you think about that, I could have Quinn Cook or Boogie. I'm probably going to stick with the possibility of Boogie as much as I love Quinn, Quinn Cook. Kings don't have a place for all of Bogdanovich, Fox, and Heel. They really don't, but they really don't have any other options. They really don't know what they're going to do with their roster in general, to be honest. Um, this is a really, really weird uh, p- position that they're in uh, because Bogdanovich is good. Uh, but I don't know how much money he really is worth, and I don't know what team... Uh, honestly, is going to empty out their roster or do whatever it takes to get him. Obviously, that has not been the case. Um, you haven't really heard his name come up as much, uh, but maybe they do. Maybe they do, but I don't see the Lakers pulling the trigger on that um, just simply because of how much they believe Kuzma can pop. Uh, Blake Sinclair, Collison and Iggy also kind of happen to be the best players available with minimal impact on the current roster. Too much upheaval could be detrimental. Right, and this is what we're talking about with the trades. If you have to trade, the way these contracts are set up and the way some of these players have no trade uh, clauses based upon the bird rights, uh, you're really talking about getting rid of portions of your roster, not a person. To get a Darren Collison, you just have to cut a person. To get an Iggy, if he's on a buyout, you just have to cut a person. If you want to trade, you're probably going to have to trade multiple players for one player which really causes a huge chemistry change. And we're not dealing with the way the Cavs were, where everything's going downhill, when they had the Dwayne Wade and the Derrick Rose, and they had all these players, and it was an experiment for the most part. You're not seeing that. That's not the case at this point. What you're really seeing is a team that is already thriving. You're trying to see how we can get them over the hump to become just standout favorites for a title. And, and, and Iggy, if you're asking me, uh, Iggy and a Collison added to your roster without having to trade anybody would be phenomenal. Also, uh, acoustic they were saying on the broadcast that Boogie had an aggressive workout before the game. Exactly. Um, and from what I'm understanding and everything that I've been hearing and reading, um, they, they have a plan for Boogie. They're not saying it. I think they're keeping the, the thing they're, prom- they're trying to under-promise and over-deliver. Uh, I think they're going to keep mum as the word. They're going to keep saying the same thing. We're going to keep working them. We're going to keep working them. We're going to see what happens. There's no promises. We don't know what's going to happen. But I think internally, they know what they want to happen. They want Boogie to be healthy, and they're doing whatever they can to make that possible without the possibility of him getting re injured so that he can have an opportunity to play for a contract. He's been a tremendous teammate from all the reports that we've seen. He's been supportive in the locker room, he's been supportive on the bench, he's been active and he's been attentive during practices. He knows what's going on, he knows the plays. He, he pays attention. He travels. He doesn't take this as a time for me to just lay back and just try to figure out what my future's going to be. He is active in his present right now. So I, I think there's going to be a plan for that. Um, uh, Hovo 1977, we need to add free agent Jamal Crawford. Um, th- let me tell you why Jamal Crawford will not be signed. For two reasons. Number one, the, the Lakers do not value scoring. They appreciate it. That's not where they put their value. They put their value in defense, which Jamal Crawford is an out one. Uh, If it was more like, hey, we have great defense, but we need to add another offensive piece, they would say that's great. But that's really not the DNA of Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel says, as long as we have good defense, I know the offense will take care of itself. Um, Also, adding a Jamal Crawford in kind of presents the same problem that most of us have talked about with Kuzma. Uh, Jamal Crawford is a ball stopper. Tonight we had 30 assists at a certain point in the game. It was like the third quarter. We had already had 30 assists. Those assists immediately go down if you bring in a Jamal Crawford and give him 10 to 15 minutes. He does not pass like that. He shoots. And shooters should shoot. That's that's the honest-to-God truth. I do not blame him for that. I'm not saying it as a negative. I'm saying as far as our system goes. Jamal Crawford doesn't make the most sense, right? Doesn't make the most sense. It would be great. It makes sense in our heads because we're going, well, Jamal Crawford scores. But we value things from a fan perspective that coaches don't necessarily value. As a coach, they value the defensive mindset, which is why they keep telling Kuzma, "Forget about shooting. You need to learn how to defend better." That's what the that's what the vets are preaching to him. That's what uh, that's what uh, um, uh, Frank Vogel is teaching to him, preaching to him they're trying to get this guy ready uh, to be a significant contrib- contributor in the playoffs outside of offense and so Jamal Crawford doesn't really fit that plan. Uh, could Boogie be ready to play way before the playoffs Alice acoustic? I absolutely I, I think the, the idea of ready to play I think is the word that we, the words that we really need to, to focus on because the truth is if he he could play I think around the, the beginning of the playoffs, I think he's on a track to that. I don't think he would be ready to play. I think for a guy who's coming off so many injuries and major injuries, season-ending injuries, I think for him, slow and steady is the pace. And uh, if you have an opportunity to follow Swish cultures, you're seeing a lot of the, the practice footage and you're seeing a lot of his workout stuff. And, and they're, they're really being very intentional about his movements. Phil Handy is being very, very intentional about the exercises that he wants Boogie Cousins to do. He wants Boogie Cousins to do, uh, uh, he's, he, there's there's a couple of videos where he's talking about the explosion off of that thigh muscle. And we, and we already know that he already had a problem with the thigh and and, and had, uh, had a problem with his knee and had a problem with his Achilles. So he, they're trying to make sure that they train him in a way that keeps him active and keeps him going in shooting motion, but also does not uh, aggressively uh, um, ag- aggressively hurt anything, right? So I think they're going to be very, very cautious in the same way with presenting him into games. Because when Boogie gets in the game, he's going to he's going to be Boogie. He's going to be aggressive. He's going to be passionate. And this is and this normally is why he ends up injuring himself is because he goes so hard in the paint. But he is such a big guy. If you ever had a chance to see Boogie in person, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. Boogie is not he he looks. He looks like a kind of a big guy, but when you see him in person, this guy its a lot of movement for a, for a lot. Of, it's not even fat. He's just, he's just really, really stocky. And so they have to be very, very careful about how they treat his knee, how they treat his Achilles, how they treat his thigh. All of that blends into that. I think he could be ready by finals. That's what I would personally believe. Same as what we saw with the uh, Golden State Warriors when he came in, right in that, in that arena, right in that area. I think that's what you're going to see. Um, and there is, there is an internal part you have to work on where his mentality. This man has suffered injury after injury. He's lost out on a max deal already because of an injury. Um, and so he, he's been through this before plenty of times. And many of us were wondering, how does a man like that have many injuries and then come back mentally? So part of this is going to be him ready to play. Is going to be his mentality. Is he going to be able to keep his mind focused on doing the right now as opposed to trying to prove that he's still a great player? Um, <clears throat> Blake Sinclair, if Cousins is nearly ready, to me, that points to Kuzma moving. AD will dominate the minutes at point at, uh, at power forward and doesn't, have, doesn't leave much room for Kuzma. Even if Cousins is ready to go, he's going to play very minimal minutes. Very minimal minutes. He's not in basketball shape. <laughs> uh, not only is he not in basketball shape, uh, uh, he, he's, he's still trying to recover from injuries. So don't look for Cousins to be a huge minute contributor even if he was playing right now. You're talking about bringing in a boogie if Dwight and Ja get into foul trouble, or you need someone. You need to space out two or three minutes uh, with the stretch with the with the stretch five, right? What what Rondo and Boogie and Ad were able to do in New Orleans was that you had Boogie who was able to re uh, who was able to stretch. You had Ad who was able to stretch, and you had Rondo who was able to facilitate. And when you have two bigs on the floor that are drawing out the bigs, it leaves Rondo to dribble penetrate and be able to kick out the bigs who can both hit threes. So I. I you're going to see spurts of that if he comes back, but you're not going to see huge minutes from him um, in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and I also think that there's a possibility he'll be back next year. That, that's, that's a possibility in my brain. Uh, Blake Sinclair, if Cousins did come back early, splitting his minutes with McGee and Dwight for 15 minutes each game would be a pretty good way to still slowly bring Cousins back into that lineup. Yeah, and it really depends on how the game is going. You know, I think Frank Vogel has shown himself to be a guy who values the hot hand or values the, the impact player at that time. So if there's a player that's doing well, if Dwight is doing well, or if JaVale is doing well, it's going to be that person getting more minutes. They haven't really shown uh, that to be a consistency. You, JaVale and Dwight have pretty much been playing right around that like 8-rebound, 9-rebound, 8-9 point place right there both, you know, impactful, but not not too much. Boogie, can no joke, Boogie can legitimately give you 25 points if he's on the floor for an extended period of time. The issue is, is that he's nowhere near ready for that, right? Uh, even if he was on the court, he's not ready for that. So I don't know if they're even going to think about trying to split minutes as much as they're going to think about him being an option on the bench, ready to go, right? Uh, In case something does happen to a JaVale or Dwight with foul trouble or JaVale gets sick, you know, he gets flu-like symptoms, maybe you bring in a a, a boogie for that. But I don't think you're going to see too much of that. Uh, Cousins being on the underside of the 15 minutes a game. Yeah, 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 yeah. that makes sense. That makes sense. To be honest with you guys, there's nobody I want to see more play. Uh, for the Lakers right now. Above Iggy and above Collinson, I want to see Boogie back. I was so excited about that signing because it made all the sense in the world because you're not asking him to do so much too, so much dirty work. You're asking him to stretch out. You're asking him to be the stretch that we need. And, and Anthony Davis can do that, but having Anthony Davis being able to stretch on the other side or, just being honest, if you have Anthony playing the five and you have Boogie playing the four... That's a, that's a that's a very, very viable option or switching vice versa. It's just they've learned how to play together already. They've maximized that already. And, you, and then, of course, you have Rondo. So now Rondo makes sense. See, I, this is why my conspiracy theory brain is going crazy because Rondo has shown himself to be one of the most inconsistent point guards, but they've been holding on to him, and they continually play him. And that's why I think a part of me is saying they see a Rondo, AD, and Boogie connection happening during the playoffs. Because it's the one thing that teams can't prepare for because they haven't seen it all season. And so, if you think about that, we've been winning games and people have known our formula of defense and being able to run and push the pace. They've seen that. But what they have not seen is saying AD and Boogie on the floor together and they wouldn't be able to see it until like the second round of the playoffs. By the time that happens, you don't have enough film to know how to, how to defend against that. And so, I just, my conspiracy theory mind is saying there's something to that. Uh, Alsecusic, <clears throat> the injury Boogie had was not as hard to come back from as an Achilles tear. Absolutely, absolutely. And most people who come back from Achilles tear don't play as well as they did anyway, even even when they're fully healed. Um, and so, in no way, shape, or form, am i saying that Boogie's injury was just you know you know career threatening. Um, but I am saying he's had so many back to back that you're thinking to yourself he is one play away. He he he. I mean, he was going for a loose ball. With the Golden State Warriors and had a season-ending injury, uh, just going for a loose ball because he's so he's such a a stocky player that plays with so much passion. He doesn't think about certain things, and I also think that he hasn't been taught mechanics on certain things, which is why he is he has hurt himself so often. So, uh, with that being said, guys, I want to get into this next section real quick um, and just talk about the schedule. Uh, I want to get back into that real quick. The Lakers are thirty-six and eleven. Uh, and uh, they're doing well, of course, in the standings, they're doing well. Uh, But what we want to see from them is we want to see them be able to take on some tougher teams and be able to not just put up big points but play great defense. That's what we celebrated during the season is that they were holding teams under, under 100 points And they themselves wouldn't necessarily score 100 points. But because their defense was so suffocating, and you have LeBron James who's able to make up the difference on the offensive end, it was such a good thing to watch. But we have uh, a great test in San Antonio. I know we've already had uh, a game uh, where we've, I believe we had two games with San Antonio if I'm not mistaken. Uh, But in any case, San Antonio was 22 and 26. They've already won two games. um, And they are a dangerous team. They can beat literally anybody on any given night. Um, And so I'm glad they're coming into our house. I'm glad we're going to be able to have a home game that's not tribute related. We're going to be, you know, further distance away from the Kobe death, which is going to give a lot of people more time to heal. And we get back to regular basketball for a minute while still having the motivation of Kobe. I loved uh, hearing Kobe's name tonight. Uh, in Sacramento, and, and once again, we just you're, you are a fan base that's part of an organization that has it better than any other organization in the NBA. And no other organization will you see players in every visiting stadium that we go to, in every visiting arena that we go to. You're, you're going to hear Lakers, you're going to hear MVP chants, you're going to hear cheers, you're going to hear all that for our favor, almost every home game. It is loud, and it's almost equally as great being on the road because there's so many Laker fans and hearing people yell Kobe. And in the middle of them yelling Kobe, LeBron just launches a three and just takes it, like like that. That's such a great feeling to have, and it's going to be good to have us have that same feeling back in the building, without the emotional heaviness. Um, and so we'll be playing Sacre, uh, San Antonio on Tuesday, and I'll be here for for you guys on that. And then Thursday this is going to be a really good test for us against Houston. This is going to be a test about about defense, not so much offense. Houston has the ability to get hot. James Harden has the ability to get hot. Of course, they are struggling as well, but that's going to be a game that's going to be a good tester before we hit a pretty easy streak. After that, uh, we play against Golden State, Phoenix, Denver, Memphis, okay? And then we get our shot back in Boston again about a month from now. Uh, about three weeks from now, uh, February 23rd. And so the the barometer that I'm looking for is to see how well are we adjusting uh, when we see Houston, have we adjusted from the emotional trauma of Kobe's death? And then by the time we get to Boston, when they come to our house on February 23rd, how much have we turned on our championship DNA? How well have we jailed uh, uh, trade deadline is over. We've made necessary changes. Are we ready to make a run? That's that's what I'm looking for. So those are the two dates you want to look at. This Thursday on the sixth, is going to be about more about our emotional stability, our mental uh, stability, and our defensive mindedness. And then the Celtics will be a true test to, uh, to help us see how well and how prepared are we to go on a championship run. Uh, but the next couple of the next couple of months are going to be very very good to us in regards to. Uh, roster. This is the time where we should be seeing LeBron get um, get some great uh, get some great rest. Seeing AD get some great rest. I would love to see them even take a couple of games off if possible. Probably ain't going to happen. Um, we're going to see what's happening. We're going to see what's happening. Uh, Blake Sinclair, I agree with you that you what you're saying, but having Kuzma and those three centers on the bench doesn't give much flexibility on the roster. For different types of lineups i i'm not sure how much they're looking for different types of lineups blake I, i'm gonna be honest uh I, I i do agree with you um but i think they pushed all their chips in by saying we want length and shooting period we want length and shooting when they made the decision to put lebron at point guard they made the decision to say we want length to be our primary source Not because LeBron is so long, but because you eliminate a guard from that, right? And you're saying, okay, so instead of me having a traditional point guard in that place, we're going to have probably the NBA's best point guard, if you ask me, in LeBron James. And we're also going to keep Anthony Davis at the four and have uh, a seven-footer. Uh, interchangeable with Dwight and and in uh, Javale. Who, I know Dwight's not necessarily seven foot, but having two bigs along with Anthony Davis. So you're so you're saying you value length and you're saying you value defense, and it's paid off so far. They like Kuzma's length. They like his offensive ability, and they're not necessarily looking for a small lineup. They're not looking for the death lineup of Golden State necessarily. Just being honest, uh, they're not looking for speed. They're not really looking for speed because. They got a they got a bunch of vets, man, and Rondo's not going to push the pace like that. He's not going he, he can do it in spurts, but he's not going to be consistent downhill runner. Uh, uh, neither is uh, Danny Green. Uh, you know, not even Caruso. Like they they made it a point that to really put their emphasis on the defensive end, and uh, and then just allow you know people to hit threes. And they re- I think they really thought Kuzma was going to be much more consistent from three than what he's been, um, and he still has the ability to do so. But he did, he kind of doesn't in his own terms outside of the uh, the way that LeBron would normally kick and uh, drive and kick. Uh, but I do agree with you, ma'am. It does limit them. But Bogdanovich doesn't make it very much easier either. Okay, um, there's not a player that you would trade Kuzma for that would give them that much more versatility because they just they made a decision they're going to go with length. S C H M U F C thirty-seven and eleven. Yes, yes. I apologize. Thirty-seven and eleven. Um, and uh, I really think I really think over this next few games. Uh, between San Antonio, Houston, and Golden State, we can hit the 40 mark uh, this week. Um, and it would be great. It would be great. And I say this week from Sunday to next Saturday. Uh, but if we were able to do that, it would be tremendous for us to be able to hit that 40 mark uh, going, uh, going in th- this early in the season. Uh, because it, it means that you're getting closer to clinching not just your division, but you can clinch the conference. And that's what I really want to see us do clinch that number one seed in the conference. Just lock that down so we can give our guys some rest, get fully healthy, and get ready for the first playoff run in years, guys. In years, like we're getting onto the better part of a decade that we haven't been able to see the sniff the playoffs. And I'm guys, I'm so proud to be a Laker right now because not because of what's happening right now, but because all of you. All of you guys, including myself, but all of you guys stayed faithful to the purple and gold through some of the worst possible times. If you really think about it, in the last six, seven years, the biggest bright spot that we had was Kobe's 60-point game on his farewell game. Like Outside of that, we really haven't had a thing to get excited about where the Staples Center was buzzing like it used to back in the day with Shaq and Kobe and back in the day with Powell and Kobe. Like, we haven't had that. And right now, we have a brand-new rebirth. We're like Phoenix coming out from the ashes, man, with LeBron and AD, and we have the best record in the Western Conference, and we have the second-best record in the league, and we're playing some great basketball, and we're still not at the full capacity and the full full strength of what we're going to be. And we endured all of those changes. Great players come. Bad players come. We endured all of that. The Robert Zacharies, God bless his heart. Uh, 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 we, we, we endured the, the Lance Stevenson, the, the, the Nick Youngs. We survived all of that to get to a place that we're at right now when it seemed like it was going to be the worst after that offseason. Like the, like everything had finally hit rock bottom with the, with the front office. We had lost out on coaches. We couldn't even get the coaches we wanted with Monty Williams and and Ty Lue. And we end up just somehow, just randomly, we get a Frank Vogel that nobody was even really thinking about. And he comes in and he sets a culture that has become so championship DNA for us with the defensive mindedness. That now we're looking at our team and going, I think he actually is the right choice. Like, I actually think I prefer him over a Ty Lue. And I prefer him over a Monty Williams. Because whatever he's got these players doing, I don't think any other coach in the NBA could have made it happen. And so we have a chance to be able to do that. Uh, Big Fresh 40. Six years. Crazy. S C H M U F C Ryan Kelly and listen and I don't want I don't want to make it seem like we're dissing these guys but when you come from a 2010 championship when you come from this these last couple of decades when you come from back to back championships three B when you see the DNA of the of the Rick Fox and the Robert Oris and you see these guys come in and contribute and you watch the Byron Scotts and you watch like the James Worthys and the Magic Johnsons like this Kareem's this is what we're used to and then for a, a small amount of time we didn't have a Kobe. We didn't have a superstar, and we were going into free agency. Guys, think about this. Carmelo Anthony wouldn't even give us a yes. Carmelo, who was out of the league for a year, wouldn't even give us a yes on a free agency meeting. People were laughing at us. We were the laughing stock. Let's not forget about LaMarcus Aldridge. We had to beg to get a second meeting because the first meeting went so bad. We endured that. We endured that. And so I'm so happy to be a Laker fan right now. Because I feel like we have earned the right to be excited about what's happening. There is no bandwagon anywhere in this Laker nation. We've, we've endured and, and, and what's even worse is that now we've, now we've even added into the midst of that, we've lost a legend in the midst of that. And our minds are still going, we got to win it for Kobe. If this would have happened during that six years, I, I just, I'm so grateful that Kobe was able to see a winning squad before he went on to, to get his eternal rest. Because I would have hated for him to die with the Lakers being sub-500. That, that just would have been the most devastating thing. The house that he built crumbling, but he had a chance to sit courtside with his daughter Gigi and watched another superstar who was coming to replace him the same way that he came and he helped replace uh, Magic and replace those guys and, re- and came in and brought in a new era. He watching LeBron James and Anthony Davis do the same. Look, look at these names, guys. Kendall Marshall, Devin Ebanks, Marcelo Huertas. It's just... Good lord, Vogel makes great halftime adjustments, just like Jackson. Agreed, acoustic, big, uh, big fresh forty. We were a laughing stock. Good, golly, man, golly! Fist bumps for all Laker fans. Absolutely, fist bumps to all you guys, and welcome to live streaming TV. Yeah, uh Who's that? Squeak, uh, Mick. McQueekums, I don't even know, squeak McSqueakums, that's, hey man, excellent name. Anyway, Lakers win tonight, 129-113, to 113. Uh, game was never close, we did exactly what we were supposed to do, um, and, uh, and I'm really excited, guys, Lakers, uh, Laker Nation, Showtime Forum fam, I'm going to see you guys on Tuesday, until then, make sure you do the normal thing, send the spirit bombs all the way over to those Laker players, man, let them know. Hit them in their DMs, hit them in uh, hit them in their mentions, let them know that you appreciate everything that they're doing. I'm telling you, they read these things. We at Showtime Forum, we are seeing them even respond in the posts that we make. The, the Dwight Howards, the Jared Dudleys, uh, uh, these guys are responding uh, to what we're saying. They see it, they're ingesting it, it means the world to them to know that we're behind them win or lose. So make sure that you, you gas them up tonight, tell them a great job. And, and just and make sure that they keep that same energy going on Tuesday when we play against the San Antonio Spurs until then I appreciate you guys and remember Mamba out but not forgotten all right y'all I'll see-